Welcome back, everyone, to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Scott of VectorSigma.info. And, uh, Scott, I guess it's the technically the first show in the what I'll call the new era. Um, sure, sure. I guess it, uh, it, it doesn't feel that much different to me, uh, I guess, because of a lot of the factors that we were talking about last week about how we've kind of been doing it in this capacity for a while. Um, yep, does it feel much different f- for you before we dive into things now that we're a week plus out? Uh, yeah. Um, it does, but uh, I think uh, I think there's just a lot of work to be done, and I'm not sure that... I just hope that, the, that it's received well, that's all. Exactly. There's definitely a lot of work, and we're going to get into that as part of the main topic for the show. As I was joking around with everybody pre-recording, the topic list down there is very concise, we'll say. It's literally one topic. We've gone through these sort of things before, but it is very expansive. And there's my darling wife helping me out. (laughs) Love you, wife. Uh (laughs) I was saying that I run out of water very quickly, and I'm going to need it for tonight, so... I don't think it's been that long. Well, we've said that before, Scott. (laughs) We've said that before. (laughs) So let's actually get into the main topic. And we did go through a lot of these things. And the damn camera's messed up again. Discord, you're killing me. Uh, I'll fix this while we're talking. But we talked a lot last week about how, you know, we well, we really railed on Maybe not railed on, but we did spend a lot of time discussing Wave 2. Yes. However, if you take a step back, chronologically, I guess, as opposed to Forest for the Trees metaphor, the the game has certainly evolved. And I mentioned this, or I'm pretty sure I mentioned this last week. And I still believe this now, and I don't anticipate that barring new evidence coming to light, I feel that the Wizards of the Coast team, where they were going into Wave 1, whenever the design started and then Wave 1 released, and where they were by the time even Siege 1 came out, let alone the other sets, the fact of the matter is that we learned a lot as players, they learned a lot as designers, and the I don't want to say it's two different games, but... The game looks wildly different. Do you feel the same way, Scott? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think I think the key to understanding like the conversation is we do not mean this from a battle card perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I actually find that, and you know, what's kind of funny. I hadn't said this earlier, but you know, I mean, let's be honest. Like Wizards of the Coast is used to making quote battle cards. <laughs> yeah, as opposed yeah, to like fair. as opposed to like characters. Um, if you think about it in the, like the magic sense, so yes. like you know, I think I think I think being able to effectively cost uh, battle cards to where um, it's based on having to randomly draw them, or it's based on having to make a decision with them, um, or having some kind of resource cost attached to them, which you know, did the resource cost here is the number of actions you could take in a turn and things yes. like that. I think I think. Um, I think they do a good job. They did a really good job, even from start to finish, even now, on doing a lot of that. Um, but from a character perspective, it's just night and day, pretty much. Absolutely. And that isn't to say that there wasn't an evolution in battle cards. I mean, obviously, we saw the initial somewhat anemic release of the Black Pip cards, where the vast majority mm-hmm. of them were were definitely on the weaker end of the scale, and then they ramped it up over time. And then one other thing that I recall with battle cards was the draw, as in how many cards you can draw off a given card and how useful that is, has definitely fluctuated in value over the course of the game. But for the purpose of this conversation tonight, obviously, like Scott said, we're focusing on the character cards, and I'm in 100% agreement where even the obvious stats aside, there's, it's just incredible the evolution that happened from wave one to wave five and how the characters interact in the game as a whole yeah i mean we i think you made some 
and I think I think it was recorded. You made an analogy last time where you said that like um, when you talked to Matt Smith, like they basically said like you know it, it's a it's a game of magic that starts with on turn four or something like that. Like your yeah. your creatures are already in play, so like they're obviously going to be. And then we you know in, in every conversation we ever had or about this or, or anyone we ever talked to, like this is definitely bore out that like you know the characters have such a huge influence on obviously how the game goes. And I just feel like the design of the characters changed rapidly since uh in since wave one and 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 like our goal of doing this is that we're trying to to update them and it's just it's a lot of work because we just feel like there's a lot of issues that need to be addressed i guess you could say yeah so that work that that scott has referenced a bunch of times as we announced last show the second half of last show uh and spoiler alert the uh the cards that are over there there might be a reason why I chose those cards specifically on screen. Uh, if you hang out after the stream, or maybe if Dan's feeling generous, will pop something in chat. But there, there might be some reasons for those. But anyway, uh, as Scott was saying, there are a lot of efforts on our part for updating a lot of these characters. And uh, actually, um, for lack of a better way to put it, just bringing them up to par at the very least, because... Mm-hmm. As we were saying, the game has kind of moved on from these Wave 1 characters, and Scott, I'm sure you're well acquainted with many of these discussions, but for a while there, there were a lot of discussions about Wave 1 characters being banned. Power level perspective specifically, aside from the uh, difficulty of acquisition. And those dropped off like a cliff. Yeah, and there's different reasons for it. Um, I think... It's not simply playability. It's not simply like stats and playability, although that is a big part of it. I think I think some of it is also, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of it, honestly, is that they're just not Titan Masters. Well, that times it is a big part of it that the Titan Masters, and not to cut you off, but the Titan mm-hmm. Masters have changed the game, no pun intended, as far as how you actually interact through the course of any given game. The the and not to be a broken record, but it's not simply just stats. The fact that there are quote unquote extra turns to be had, like yeah. aside, we're not talking PTT plays, which that's another discussion, but we're talking, Oh, the Titan master pops off and completely rearranges the wheel. Or mm-hmm. even if it doesn't rearrange the wheel, it's just now there's another body in play that does things, whatever those things are. And yep. The, the ratio, I don't know if I personally, maybe you do, Scott, have a, oh, well, the fact that you have a head is worth this many stats or this many stars or this many whatevers, whatever metric you happen to be putting on there. But it's clear that the fact of the matter that you are a Titan Master is worth something. And in a lot of cases, the... <laughs> I guess you could call them undercosted the the Titan Masters, but they certainly pack enough power that it, they you can't directly compare them one to one with many other characters. I mean, it's the fact that you can't really like. It, it's very very difficult, and 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 we're going to talk about this probably not tonight, but like at other times. Like the reason there's so much, and I don't want I hate the phrase because it's not actually correct, but like. The reason there's so much out of hand damage, I don't want to say direct damage because a lot of it's not direct. Mm. Direct to me is like do damage to that specific guy, not spread damage. Like I consider that to be like, you know, um, indirect damage, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Um, the reason there's so much of it in the set is because there was an attempt to basically the only way to interact with them effectively and not give your opponent literally an entire turn is to basically take them out outside of combat or at least take the body out outside of combat and then allow the head to be the same turn that you were getting before, but like, you know, uh, not as effective. Like even the the problem here I think is, and and maybe, and and I'm I'm fully agreeing that there may be more room to explore, but like the way it's played out for me now and in in every situation, is basically like, you know, even somebody like Parsec that has one hit point, um, you know, it, you still get that, that entire turn. Yeah. And, because most of the time you're taking out their character on your combat phase, you're you're automatically giving them the next ups. 
Yes. So they're on like even even if like like you said like even if you're screwing up like how like say you had like in a situation where you're attacking with like two guys into their into their you know you have free reign to attack where you want twice you're still giving them like you're they're breaking you out of that cycle so if you take it out the first attack I, I mean I've even seen the situation where you basically have to like make an ineffective attack first to not overkill the the Titan Master so that you you actually get the total number of attacks you want and basically only make it so that their last guy is the last one to attack so that you get the wheel back, for example. Yes. Excuse me, examples. But like even a guy that has one hit point, they get the turn where you can't interact. Yep. Um like I think right now there's what, electrified spikes and Megatron's ability. I think Megatron's ability even happens quote after combat anyway, right? Uh, it, like yeah, if you're talking about things that would happen, I, like I can't think of any. I think Fort Max also, I think, happens. Is that during combat? I don't even know. Oh, yeah, it's, it's based off of flips. So I was going to mention yeah. even the score, but obviously that happens after combat, you know. Right. So there's very few ways of, like, forcing a situation where they're not going to get an entire turn out of you. Right. And that's very, very difficult for for older characters to compete with getting a free turn in the middle of the game. Right. So, um, oh, so even just that alone is probably a discussion for another, like, you know, it's a, it's a full on another situation, but like, that's a big part of it. Yes. And, and so as a result of that, like there's just, in order to bring characters up to speed, there's just a lot of work to be done. Yeah. A lot of it, my main complaints about Wave 1, and again, a little, I think, I don't remember if we said it last time, but spoiler alert, a lot of the effort is going to be, well, all the effort for this first initiative from our team is going to be on updating Wave 1 characters, stratagems specifically, or via stratagems. And I think tying it back to my earlier comments, and also yours, Scott, that the design decisions going into Wave 1 versus where we are now obviously led to two different worlds. And it isn't... While the stats matter, they're, the characters are just bigger and more lethal now than they were previously. Mm-hmm. It's not just that. There were also decisions surrounding... And we'll circle back to the, to the stats as we go into it. But one of the things that I know we had... or you probably have a lot to say about it, Scott, is the flip density for these characters and the way that in Wave 1, and when we were talking about this prepping for the show, in my brain, I don't know if I said this on recording before, but I picture a lot of Wave 1 teams and even some subsequent ones that are, they're quote-unquote unfolding, where Mm -hmm. it's, you know, you start in alt mode and then it's just, I flip a guy, I get in. Then next turn, I transform the other guy and get in. And then the third guy and get in. And in my my head, it's kind of like, unfolding origami i don't know why but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. point is is that coming into wave one that was one of the questions actually that i had had when we started getting previews and we started actually you know fleshing out the set is will you have enough time to have those sort of teams where it's just do thing or is it you're only going to be flipping one character and the game has kind of migrated past that or away from that into you have a centralized flipping character or you know, it's, again, flip density, dense at specific characters as opposed to just your whole team does their thing. Um, like I said, I know you had a bunch of things that you want to comment on this, Scott, so let me kick it to you. Well, I know you commented offline that this is more of a game mechanic conversation than it is a mm-hmm. um, lore mechanic conversation, I guess yeah, you could say. There's definitely two components it. to it, but let's start yeah. with the, the game mechanic part, and then we can bring in the other one. So, I mean, there's there's just basically, like, very little options to, like, to get away from the situation. I mean, like, um, so, I'm try- I don't know the phrase, but it's almost like if you have too much of something, you have nothing of something. I, I don't really know a good phrase to, like, say that, but, like, in my opinion, like, if you look at a team like Wave 1 and Wave 2 and Wave 3 and all the way till now, like, Insecticons... All they do is flip into the mode they want to get into and like when they attack and then attack. Right. So like to me, yes, you get one flip a turn, but like you know what you're gonna use that for. It's getting my guy in the mode they need to get it's into. It's not a decision point, really. Right. 
Right. I mean, I yes, I get for all the bug fans out there, which there's probably like two of you at this stage, <laughs> but um, I get it. Like you have to choose whether you're attacking with barrage or kickback or or whoever. But right. realistically, it's just one of these guys is getting flipped, and that's the end of it. There's no choice between strategically, or it's not that deep strategically. I guess is the best way to put it. Right. And 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 the. The thing is, is, like, at that point, like, it's like a tree that falls in the forest kind of deal. Like, mm. did, you, did you really flip? Like, I mean, like, yes, you physically flipped, but, like, did it matter? Like, all, you only flipped because you, quote, <laughs> had to, I guess you could say? Like, Yeah, you're never intending to get back into that other mode, so it's not as though there was any opportunity cost, really. Right. It, you know, there, there's no... It, it's a meaningless thing, because it doesn't... Right. It's just, well, I have to do this. And that that's the awkward part. Yeah, and it's a shame because because I think that there were other characters that really wanted to take advantage of being able to flip back and forth, and obviously some of those rose to the top. But a lot of those did not see play because in order to gain any value out of them, you had to do that. Um, yep. I'm specifically looking at cards like Starscream Air Commander or Thundercracker or insert Decepticon Seeker here of all time, like, you know, like, and this, and to be honest with you, this hasn't changed much um, in all five sets, but it became more efficient. Um, so, like, yes. you'll notice in Titan Masters Attack that a lot of the characters have flip to uh, bot mode abilities. So you only have to flip them once to actually gain, like, what you would consider to be the the flip ability. Right. Um, you know, we talked about this at length, but like the the poor design of Wave Two, just to having to get these characters into bot mode just to combine, which really makes no sense because on the show they are always in alt mode when they combine. Um, just to, just to add another layer of like what needs to happen there. I mean, I get it. Like you don't want them just like here playing Enigma and I'm combined on turn. Uh, yes, there had to be some <laughs> sort of drawback. Yes, like, like I get it, but like at the same time, you know. It, it, it's inefficient. Mm-hmm. It's like all you're doing on those teams is literally flipping to get to the mode that you want to get into. Um, I don't think there's a single combiner team that doesn't operate better in quote bot mode because it's just more efficient to be in that mode because you have to get into it anyway. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of characters on Wave 1 that I think like you basically are just getting into bot mode because that's the better mode to attack in regardless of whether or not that's a better mode to defend in which is another whole situation um, which is Essentially, to me, it's almost like one of these modes doesn't even exist. Right. It only exists literally on turn zero when your opponent has it gets to go first and they get to attack where they want, or like you know, supporting fire slash bumblebee legendary warrior like type of situation. Like it, it really only exists as a defensive mechanism. Yeah. But you're always going to be attacking in that mode, and then once you get in that mode, you the game doesn't last long enough for you to make some kind of like okay, um, I need to defend better by getting plus one defense, but my attack is less in alt mode. So I attack in bot mode, and then next turn I'm going to flip back to, to alt mode to defend better, and then next time I attack, after I untap, I'm going to flip back into bot mode. That never happens. It There's never back, enough time. Yeah, it goes back to that quote that you had said earlier, that if this is magic starting on turn four, well, realistically, and it, magic players out there, this is going from the past. Maybe it's changed. But realistically, if the game went eight turns, that was a long game. Yeah, totally. So yeah. it's the same sort of thing. You're effectively playing out that game over the course of four to six turns. And like you said, there just isn't enough time to accomplish all of these cute things that are hypothetically possible, but ultimately fall into the cute category, not necessarily effective. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, to me, it's a shame that Again, like it's not that it's not that big of a deal, but like there are some decision points where you're like, you know, I want to attack in the more inefficient attack mode because I want to defend better. Mm. That does happen. Yes, but it's only the situation where like you're absolutely going to get the KO in in the 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 worst mode yeah. anyway, or you're desperate the other way somehow. Like, you know it's going to take you two attacks, so why should I, I might as well defend better to make sure I actually get the two attacks. Exactly, yeah. 
that's definitely been the challenge. The the lore aspect of it that Scott was alluding to when we had talked about this earlier is I do think it is cool to have these different categories of teams. Now, I, I was avoiding the term archetype for a reason because I don't want to muddy the waters. But if you have these centralized flip-dense teams, so virtually every Optimus Prime deck, where yeah. it's he's the guy I'm flipping him with good reason every single time. Then you have other teams that are these what I was referring to is like the origami ones where it's, I flip a guy, I get in, I flip a guy, I get in. And then you'd have something in between where it's some of the guys transform, some of them don't. They may or may not have relevant abilities or you're based around trying to, you know, do whatever. The problem is, is exactly what you were describing, Scott, that it, you just don't have time to do these things. And especially bring it back to wave one, a lot of these flips I think the expectation coming into Wave 1 was that these games were going to last longer, decks weren't necessarily going to push the numbers that they did or wouldn't be as efficient as they were, and as such, you would have time to just kind of dirtle around and, and flip Nemesis back and forth five times to spread damage. Right, and I feel like, and to be honest with you, like once a game gets down when you're down in characters, that you, don't, you literally just can't even do it. Yes, exactly. So... I, I don't know that I don't know that this is something that they consciously realized ever. Um, it I, it feels that way. Hmm. Um, I mean, I think on- they they must have because it bore out in how they centralized. It, like they kind of just accepted, or it seemed to be from a design perspective that okay, well, only one guy's flipping, so that whatever the big character is has to mm. have a fantastic flip or a relevant flip to overcome the fact that the rest of your team is going to be somewhat handicapped. Right. And, and I, I can tell that that there's like a, a clear concession there to, um, to do that essentially. Um, you know, like I think wave four did this better um, because of the, the, the battleship size characters, like the, the Leviathan characters, whatever you want to call them, yeah. bigger than whale. Um, because I, there really just was no option. Like, like you had to run characters that didn't want to flip because like a lot of five drops just don't want, or four drops. Yeah. They just don't care. Yeah, exactly. So like, I think that was a concession to basically give them very powerful flips in order to, um, to achieve that. And I just feel like there's a, there's a lot of undiscovered potential in wave one because that suffered because of, of the situation. And, and, and a, a main thing to say, which I think we need to bring up um, again, like, so this conversation is all based in the fact that like, like you know, we've probably said we're making strategies for wave one characters to bring the, try to bring them up to speed. Um, because we feel like a lot of the characters from wave one, wave two, wave three, wave four, whatever, even wave five, um, the intent of the character is very good, sometimes flavorful. Um, if we need to veer too much away from where we feel like the character just exists for the sake of existing, like, um, like if there are like some vanilla character that like has no text on it, that like we feel has no flavor to it, like we might as well just create a whole new character instead of giving this one specific character abilities. But, um, we feel like there's a lot of potential here for certain characters to, to improve the intent of them. Right. And that's a lot different than improving, than creating characters from scratch. Like, there's an intent with some of these teams and with some of the way that the decks were made, you know. And, and unfortunately, I think in the beginning of the game, a lot of the intent was, I'm going to flip myself to the better mode to attack in. Um, it's just that that style of play, unless for some reason, and, and like, this is not the intent, like... I don't even know how much better, like if I was designing the game from scratch, it would almost be like, how much better do I need to be able to attack in to where it's worth me using this flip? Yeah. And, and, and like even characters from wave one that did this effectively don't see play anymore. So how much harder is it to make the ones that don't do this effectively playable? And the answer is a lot so far <laughs> yeah well there, there are some diamonds in the rough or i don't know if that's necessarily the best way to put it. i mean the obvious one is 
one of the ones that's been scrolling past periodically, and that's Battlefield Legend, where you can dodge a lot of questions or, or issues about the things we're talking about by just simply giving that guy stats effectively. And there's a few other characters, I think, that fall into that category. But by and large, the the three main issues, and Scott, if you had any others, feel free to add on, with a lot of the Wave 1 characters were, again, stats. We've evolved to the point where after Wave 2, the story changed. You just had to be bigger and stronger than a lot of these characters started out with. The flip density, as we were describing, where the the cost of flipping these characters, let alone flipping them multiple times, is just unreasonable. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is really, and it ties into the flips, where the, the actual text on some of these characters wasn't or isn't good enough to justify the trade-off. Now, those, I know, Scott, you feel that there's more that have that issue than probably I do. My main thing is I think a lot of the, especially the previously tier one characters that everybody was complaining about for so long, Mm -hmm. they are interesting at the very least. So not to beat the dead horse, but Battlefield Legend, there are a lot of decision points and a lot of value. And I think both strategic and from a fun perspective where Battlefield Legend does interesting things as compared to just being a big block of stats or something or having some meaningless flip that, you know, is relatively trivial. That's not to say that there aren't a lot in that category, but um, I just want to highlight him as one of the examples. But he does interesting things because of the environment that existed when he did those interesting things. So you had an environment during wave one where there was no green pip. Yes. So, and I'm not saying that every single battle card and every um, every single battle card, I would say every single action card has a green pip on it that you play. But you, sometimes you literally just had no option of what action to play unless you flipped it. Right. So you literally just like took half your turn off or a third of your turn, whatever percentage of your turn, yeah, if you yeah. didn't actually flip it. So like there was that aspect of it um, that has been, you can solve through the use of, of, uh, of green pips. Um, and then when he saw play later during Siege 1 and beyond, mostly, well, in Siege 2, we only saw a real positive play. Like, it was basically only his, it was really only his bot mode ability that mattered because you were basically gaining right. a, free, a free play out of the deal. Yes. Power, powerful, don't get me wrong. Like, not, I'm not going to I'm not gonna sit here and say it's not powerful, but it was in, it was more of an aggro, like, ever since Siege 1, it's been more of an aggro shell. Yeah. To where you're just trying to put as much damage as possible on on the opposing team, and he just allows you to basically cheat how many action cards you could play in a turn. So, well, like in other games, if you get to play more cards than you're supposed to, or you have more resources right. than you're supposed right. to, uh, usually those lead to competitive high, or high level competitive things. Right. So, but. I mean, he was still vulnerable to get KO'd, like, right away yep. in those situations. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, even his role changed. And a lot of that had to do with, with like we said, the, um, the, the, the pips, the stats, most of the, most of the hit points that, um, just the ability of, of defending in general, just, the reduction in power level armor, like like all these different reasons, but like it's a cascade of reasons as to why what used to be a very good battle card just doesn't seem any. There's no chance of it seeing any play anymore. Exactly, uh, there and that kind of goes across the board. But obviously, Optimus being he started out with all this power packed in and has dropped off. You can imagine everybody out there listening and watching how it the same story applies to all these other characters that may or may not have had their time in the limelight. But Scott, we we talked a lot about both last week and now on what the failings, we'll say, of Wave 1 was compared to now. Not that it was it was bad then, not that it's even bad in general, just it just and this is, a, this is a, Yeah, there's another discussion in there about the whole power creep thing. But anyway, uh where does that take us and where does that inform the decisions going forward other than the obvious of we'll put more stats on them, make the abilities better, 
Like those are those are super generic answers. But what are the the design decisions behind this, or what is what decisions does this drive? Um, it drives the fact that we want that we think that a lot of the Wave One characters are still a lot of them are still the iconic version of that character. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, as of Thursday night, I still have yet to start the the new Netflix show, so I can't really say what the <laughs> what the version of them is in in the Seed show. So, like, you have two sets worth of characters there that I don't really know how their personalities have been affected. But like, as a G one fan, like a lot of the characters, even that were quote reprinted in later sets, I still feel like the Wave One version of them was their iconic version from an art perspective, from a um, from a from a design perspective, I mean, some of them are, some of them I would say are, some of them are updated in an intelligent way, like, especially like Shockwave, in my opinion. Um, but like, a lot of the characters in Wave 1, I feel they, they did a lot right, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't translate well. Like, you know, we've, we've said that the three-wide aggro deck that's not a Titan Master deck can't exist. Well, then, I mean, how many three wide aggro decks existed in Wave One? You had Dinobots, you had Cars, you had um, all these different teams and like three random characters, things like that. And like, if you're just saying that none of them can exist anymore because they're not Titan Masters, like that's a problem. Yes. So if, if we're saying that these characters are iconic and you really have no effective way of using them, that's a problem. And then, and my whole thing is like we've said numerous times that like, we're not we're not selling sets here. So like I don't care that I'm just making an example. Like I, I like the easy example to me, and spoiler alert, this is one of the ones I've worked on. Like to me, Fangry is just an updated version of Wheeljack from a from a combat perspective. Like all you have to do is stick a parsec on a Fangry, and nine times out of ten, for two less stars, you're getting the same exact character, especially if you're swinging against right. larger characters. Um, it doesn't need to flip. That granted has a you know meaningless alt mode, so I, I get for that. most intents and purposes, yeah, yeah. But like, but like, here's the problem: like, there's still no green cars cards, so like, there's still no guarantee that any of the any of the powerful cars base cards are actually going to happen. His alt mode ability is powerful to allow you to sift through your deck, but, like, it still requires you to actually play cards on cars, which means that, like, it doesn't work well if he's the only... It, the only time it works well when he's the only character is if, like, you're specifically upgrading him, and how often is that really going to happen? Right. Um, the flip density thing that we've talked about before is just negligible. He has one less defense permanently. He has a, a couple more hit points, but but one less defense, so it winds up equaling out from that perspective, and, and, and he costs two more stars. But yet, this is a character that saw play all the way through Wave Three. Yeah. Um, but to me, just had there's just no place for him at all in the in the current metagame at all because you would like any time, like even if you just put a whatever a um, a flame out, I guess it's his name. Like even if you just put a flame out on, um, even if you just put a clobber on 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 Fangry and cost one more star, I think that's a more effective use of of, of your of your stars than than just playing wheeljack just because eventually clobber is going to flip off and be a two four bolt three right wheeljack's head isn't flipping off anytime soon no so so like so there's just to me there's just a lot of issues that that a lot of these old characters just can't they just cannot compete just just absolutely no way they can compete unless they have like an alt mode that's extremely relevant a a flip that they didn't need to flip to, which I don't think exists. Um, I guess the only example of that that I can think of is like Cliff Jumper, in a way. Um, there was yes. some type of sort. I mean, like he doesn't have that flip to use his actual ability, which is like he just helps out the rest of the team, right? But um, but like he doesn't help Chrome Dome and things like that. So like that's why he hasn't seen play. Um, I, I think this. I get the reasons. Don't get me wrong, and I get. I, I don't think it's just a Titan Masters thing, even though a lot of it is. I don't think it's just that, just because I just feel like the flip density thing has just become more understood. 
and more um, uh, well, would you say? Yes. Would you say that the wave, looking back at the wave one characters, when you're talking about flip density, is that so? One of the ones that just scrolled by is Dark Mount, which is a, I guess, acceptable flip in the grand scheme of things. It's a it's a plasma burst, despite the fact that it costs you cards. But let's put stats aside for a moment. Do you feel that the sure. flips from Wave 1, whether it's Dark Mount or otherwise, that they just aren't impactful enough as they stood that you could make any of them the focal point? Um, no, I think they were impactful. Um, I think that I think they could have been impactful. Some of them. Uh, especially the ones that had powerful all mode flips um like if they like grimlock perfect example i mean that's a powerful battle card that you're getting out of the deal uh battle for the legend still has yet to see that that flip be emulated in any effective way um dark Mount, like you said i mean i i think you could probably make the argument that like you could just be horrible like you know like like yeah it's not it's not much different but like but you have a relevant alt mode, sort of, um, <laughs> thrown in there as well. Right. Um, so as long as you work with those situations, like, it could work. Um, there were some powerful flips, just not enough time to use them. And and the problem is, back in the day, and this is a problem that exists now, is right now your flip-dense character costs anywhere between 7 and, like, 11 or 12. So it's, is it technically, could it be the largest character on the team? Yes, but it doesn't even have to be. Right. And then a lot of decks, unfortunately, your largest character on the team costs 15 stars, comes out in two pieces, and never has to flip to begin with. Um, and so what you have is the non-centerpiece character being the one that is actually, you're actually playing with the most, like yeah. physically touching them and yeah and you're like, interacting with them enough yeah and and i just don't think that's right i, I don't know i mean maybe maybe, maybe i'm espousing an opinion that like isn't needed but like i just don't feel like that that doesn't feel right well there we mentioned it briefly earlier when we were talking about flip density with the the lore argument and circle back to that i think there's something to be said and in watsi put out a number of statements over time uh, that they wanted the characters to at least feel like they were driving the game and the battle cards to be supplementary. Obviously, it's an IP-based game. The Transformer should be the focal point and mm-hmm. therefore pushing the game. I agree with you that in the abstract, it, it, it seems silly that random no-name character, and I, I'm sure there, there are plenty of horrible fans out there outside of this game, like from the media. He did have a cool... Uh, cameo in the comics at one point and like i like the character but it, it's also not the f- you tell somebody name 10 transformers i'm pretty sure they're not going to name that guy so mm-hmm. it, it does seem strange that these characters that and we did get a wide swath of wave one characters that are fan favorites across the board from various timelines various uh media various whatever and they just they don't outside of optimus we don't really have it's not common to have the super popular characters be the super effective ones but which version of optimus do you look at when you still think in the game now like oh i mean a hundred percent it's battlefield legend like none of the other optimuses come close for me like yeah i mean it's a it's a combination of the artwork and the initial impression so that's why i I wouldn't ever have a problem with him coming back to tier one because it's like he's both interesting in a gameplay perspective and he hits all the appropriate nostalgia points uh, as compared to a number of other characters. I mean, like the Galaxy Prime is basically the callback to the Power Master Prime after it was after I was still paying attention to anything, right? It was still. I assume it's supposed to be this guy. (laughs) Is that Power Master Optimus? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that was right the version that, where he came back to life or whatever. I mean, it was, mm. it was, um, I mean, honestly, it's like the Bayverse version of Prime and that whatever the, was it the second movie where like Jetfire combined with him or whatever? Like, it's, I think so. Yeah, it's closer to that version 
um, in modern media to me than any. I, I, and, and and it's it's very similar to the um, the Jinrai Optimuses, right? Like yeah, the, I think so. Like those I'm not as familiar with, but I think so. Yeah, like so. And I mean, we said this. I think, and we touched on this last week, but I'll, I'll, I'll state this many times. So I don't really care. But uh, the Sentinel one, where he was all gray, no clue. Um, <laughs> the Wave Three one is fine. I think that. I think to me that almost. I almost think the Wave Wave. I almost think the Wave Three one. Like you could have just called him a Ryan Pax, and like yeah, and and like left it at that. And I think like he had an interesting ability, and like he was an effective combat unit. But like you know. And then the head, and then the Titan has her one, whatever. Mm. Uh, it's just you know there has to be Optimus in every set, and it has to be the, <laughs> apparently. The yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, um, but the Wave One remains the iconic one to me. Mm-hmm. And so for for that, to me, it's just a shame. You know, it's a shame to me that a lot of these cards don't see play. I agree. That's just, that's just all like you know, they're. There are no better Dinobots. There are no better. Honestly, there are no better Insecticons. There are no better. Um, there's no better RC. There's no better insert. There's no better Wheeljack. There's no better uh, insert car character here. Like, there's no better Prowl. I mean, I guess the other Prowl is fine, but like, you know, there's no better whatever. And, and so. Would they have circled back to these eventually in the next two sets? Likely, yes, based on the toys that we've seen. Some of them, yeah, not necessarily all of them, but I agree. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, that's fine. I, I just feel like there's a... The spirit of what is there from Wave 1, to me, can be improved to where they come up to par. It's just... It's difficult because, again, like the Transformers universe is so vast that I understand that that people are like, you know, we don't have this character, we don't have that character, we don't have this character. But I think for a large majority of the fan base, um, the characters from Wave 1, improving them to bring them up to speed, I think, is just as effective as making some characters from scratch. Absolutely. And some of those other characters that, don't get me wrong i would love bruticus in the game i would love a number of other characters or redos of other characters outside of wave one but i'm glad you brought that up scott because it kind of segues into one of the other things that i wanted to talk about and that's the the maybe not more boring end but the logistical end of some of these that it to me it makes sense to build upon what already exists with these sort of initiatives so we're Mm -hmm. we're going to start out as we said many times already, with producing these stratagems for old characters that, again, for all the reasons we were just stating, were fan favorites, still are fan favorites from a lore perspective, and presumably a lot of people have good memories of playing a lot of these in Wave 1. And moving forward, this allows you to set kind of a baseline with the existing cards for how future releases that we're going to do for lack of a better way to put it, getting our feet wet on the design end, as well as, you know, the fact of the matter is, and again, I don't want to go into the, the huge diatribe about how the power creep effectively rotated earlier sets, because we've talked about it sure, before sure. briefly. For all intents and purposes, these might as well be brand new cards because now they're coming back to the forefront, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to there's not really much functional difference between, okay, this is a brand new Optimus Prime and then producing a stratagem that says Battlefield Legend is now actually playable competitively. That's exactly what this text says. That's all it says. <laughs> forces you to play them. Forces you to play them. Yeah, you are absolutely required. <laughs> there's no other choice. But, but in all seriousness, updating a number of these characters that yeah. it, they... From a competitive perspective, it boils down to this there's only ever going to be x number of competitive options whether it's decks it's particular characters it's whatever you could you know look at other games for the same sort of thing and our goal obviously is to have as many viable options 
to keep things healthy or rather let me rephrase that as many viable options while keeping things healthy because i have mm-hmm. my own opinions about when things get too broad and it's like super linear decks but anyway not to digress on that introducing these characters or updating these characters in this way effectively grows that pool because we've seen what the effects we know what the the standards are for where an x cost character should roughly be and the whole point is that we're trying to make these fan favorite characters not to repeat the phrase a thousand times relevant in a modern meta whereas like you were saying scott yeah well we would have eventually gotten another grimlock but like when mm-hmm. three years from now kind of thing like or maybe they just never would have had time to circle back to him they would have always been pushing whatever the next thing is i've seen that in a number of other games where a mechanic is released or a specific in in these ip based ones a character is released and it's like sweet we finally got x Mm-hmm. And then it's forgotten by the next set, or it, you know, very minimal support. And then, if you look at how games are produced, you're looking at anywhere between two and five years, probably before that character gets their next turn in the cycle, because there's mm-hmm. always new things. Or three sets prior, that character is now up for an update. This allows us to pick and choose a lot of these and bring a lot of these characters up to speed. Yeah, I mean, they chose the characters in Wave 1 to push the game because they were the most... Because even the ones that weren't the big four um, or big whatever um, were popular. And it's just a shame that they don't see play at tables anymore. Right. Um, the other thing I'll say is not all these characters haven't were playable to start with. I mean, Megatron Living Weapon wasn't playable. Megatron Anything wasn't playable. That's um, true. <laughs> Sadly. So, so, you know, like, I think... Again, like you said, there there is only a there's only so much time before the metagame becomes solved where it becomes almost a version of rock, paper, scissors. Our goal is to hopefully include the lizard and Spock in that. Um, but also to basically say, like, hey, you can pl- like you can play this archetype deck, but use these characters instead, and it operates a little bit differently. And it might help you out in this matchup in a specific way. And I feel right. like I don't know. I don't know that we ever. Well, the only time I can think that that ever really happened for me personally was testing for Gen Con. I um, can see that. Where we said, "Hey, you know, we understand that there's these there's these bold decks that are really powerful out there. So why don't you run this other deck that runs static buffs?" And you can play gyros, for example. So if you use these characters instead, and this is where Fire Drive came from, for example, like if you use Fire Drive instead of Lionizer, you can use Gyro. And so basically, like, okay, well, your seven drop became Fire Drive instead. What's up? I'm laughing at chat because they're they're complaining about your camera because when you lean back, everybody can only see from oh. here up. So okay. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to okay. I was trying to adjust it quietly and I couldn't get it done. Oh, so, my bad. My bad. I was listening to what you were saying for a year and a, for a year and a half. You never saw me. Period. Now all of a sudden, yeah, now everybody can see my, well, see my chin. They they <laughs> want to see. Yeah, now whatever. you can't take it away after you've given it to the people, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's all, it's all the terrible eating I'm doing during quarantine uh, and everything. Now they want to see. Oh God. Um, but anyway, Gen Con and uh, slight variations on decks. I guess that's so, I think the one time for me where it, it, that came about. I mean, obviously, my theory is that you would play the best version of whatever the type of deck is but but i think i think that's i think that's a simplified theory that can be expanded upon yeah i think there's definitely room and again in the ip based games where substituting your and the easiest example is the galaxy prime decks the jetfire decks with arbitrary other big guy mm-hmm. that and to your point it adds percentage points here you sacrifice percentage points there but effectively it's you know, I'm a a singular large character deck. Mm-hmm. And I think there's value in having that specifically because of IP-based games where 
you allow people to just play whatever their favorite guy is. Mm -hmm. And as long as it fits, it's like, okay, I want to play a control deck. What's What are the control deck options? All right, well, here's the, the five to seven primary characters that you're building around. And then, okay, it, it just behaves roughly the same way. So that and from the other end of things for this, I think it's important that when somebody sits down and see those, those sort of decks, it's readily available or readily obvious that okay, this is roughly how it operates. Because it's this character, they gain access to other list of things, but it's still, that's the main character. Or if it's an aggro deck, okay, well, they're still wider or taller or whatever the, you know, the parameters happen to be. It was very difficult in this game to be the type of player that says, I'm always going to play this deck. The set comes out, I'm going to update this deck. Yeah. I feel like they did that pretty poorly, to be honest with you. Like, so we talked about that before, I forget when it feels like a while ago but everything feels yeah. like a while ago it wasn't uh, all last week like we didn't we didn't yeah. bash everything it was I agree with you to an extent it always felt as though and, and it's tough to think back on wave one uh, but a lot of decks it felt as though there was one deck from the previous meta whatever tier one thing was that continued forward so from Gen Con into EI, Shockwave was still around. Like, it was still the big dog. And then, if we go back, I guess, Aerial Bots into Siege was still around. I mean, Aerial Bots was... T- I played the Aerial Bots against Aerial Bots twice at EI, but to me it wasn't playable, but yes. Well, it, but you get where I'm going with it. And it was... I think we had... And presumably, I mean, Galaxy hasn't borne out spectacularly in Wave 5, but we had some carry forward from there uh mm-hmm. i agree overall that it would have been nice to have more of these legacy builds that it was two sets ago or there were at least multiple decks from the previous meta that were still viable it definitely felt as though from a character perspective or i guess that continues to the deck that a lot of things were invalidated as soon as the new set of cards hit the floor I can't imagine a situation other than the first three waves where that wasn't the case. Yeah. So for me, and only, only, and we've already talked about the problems of wave two, and that was a big reason why. Mm. So if you wanted to say that the first year of the game was wave one and wave two, really only the mistakes in wave two allowed that to happen. Um, whereas, like, it, some of it still bored out in siege because I think they were just it was still difficult to do anything else, but, um, right. Yeah. I totally agree. And it's, because there weren't a lot of legacy. There weren't, there weren't, and this is just a total aside. Like I said offline, if it was me creating the set from scratch, it's creating a game and the roadmap of the game from scratch. Like what I would have done just as an example is I would have put, and this is the, I think this is the way the episodes bore out, if I remember as a kid. Like, I would have put Snarl, I mean, not Snarl, Slag, Grimlock, Sludge in set one, and then put Swoop and Snarl in set two, instead of all five of them in set one. And things like that. Like, I would have done things like that. It's interesting, and it, we're getting way off topic yeah, here, yeah. digressing yeah. a bit, but it is interesting. Yeah. I don't inherently have a problem with all five Dinobots being in wave one. But it's strange to me that all five are in wave one and you really, I mean, the the way the numbers work out is you could only ever play three of them. And I know that's just the way the game works. They tend, mm-hmm. decks tend towards three wide in a number of scenarios. But to your point, you could have held back two of the Dinobots and nobody would have noticed. You yeah. know, like you just go, here's the Dinobot deck oh, you'll get two more down the road eventually, and then it just gives it more time to cook. But Other, uh, other, IP, other IP-based games would do this all the time. Yeah. Effect- effectively, in my opinion. And it's... I don't know. It, it, I, guess, I almost want to argue against myself because I know it's annoyed me in other IP games where it's like, just give me the whole team. Mm-hmm. And effectively, they, the other two don't exist anyway for all the reasons we talked about. But um, I don't know. What are you going to do? <laughs> so our goal, our goal is to try to bring that up to speed as best as possible. We know it's difficult. We know that um, it's going to require some playtesting because we understand that, like, um, 
like you said, if the flip was powerful enough and we do something in the card to basically like, you know, give the ability to flip more often or or whatever, um, that could just become too powerful. Like, who knows? Right. Um, so it requires testing, but but we we the reason we I guess the reason we keep talking about these litany of problems with the cards is because that's really the first place we start. Well, yeah, it's it's difficult to solve a problem that you haven't identified yet, and I think we've right. we've outlined both last week and this week. And again, this isn't intended to be super negative, but it is yeah. necessary. It's just you have to outline what the problems are, so then you can define what the future goals are. So we were saying stats were a problem in wave one. All right, well that's pretty obvious how you deal with that. The flip density is a is an issue in wave one compared to where it is now. So there are a number of different ways to solve that. And then lastly, the abilities are a potential problem, you know, really, and it kind of bleeds in and out of the, uh, the flip density discussion that there are a few things that need to be done for a number of cards, but we're excited to, to get these in people's hands. Cause speaking of testing for anybody who's trudged through for this long, you definitely want to make sure you check out Vector Sigma YouTube. The reason being, Dan is going to be doing some live testing later tonight, and we're going to be having more going forward with a number of the initial, and I'm stressing this so people understand going in. These are initial alpha versions. It's definitely very much in the category of this is an idea. We've walked through a number of scenarios. We have to now see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I don't have them to put on screen, but I know Dan's in chat, and I believe that the game plan is to have the ones that are being tested up there the whole time, so that way people can see them. Scott, you outlined it last time when we were first putting this idea out there, that the intent is that the community is going to be able to see these, they're going to be able to see the evolution, that they're going to be able to, you know, the public comments are going to be out there for, you know, how people feel about them, what they look like, what they like, what they don't like. You know, it, it, this isn't a closed door, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain scenario. It's, it's not an echo chamber. Right. We're not, we're not existing in an echo chamber, so. Exactly. Um, but just, just, just to restate, um, because I don't think we brought it up specifically, we're focusing on earlier wave characters right now wave one because we don't want to just allow new characters to dominate to where like i I just think there's a lot of room for the abilities the lore etc from wave one to to carry through um we're choosing the stratagem route because basically it's like a little card that goes right next to you that like doesn't have to completely change the field of play like it's very obvious to what's going on it's not um it's not as um, intense of a change as like changing a battle card or changing a whole whole new character. We will get to that eventually, but like I just feel like there's so much room to just update old characters before we start branching off into new ones. I think that that's just the bedrock of the discussion is that these characters do have something there, and they did before, and maybe it's petered off over time. But the fact of the matter is that there's something valuable in a lot of these characters and there's value in taking the steps in this fashion where rather than diving in, and again, I mentioned it briefly on last week's show, I've played a lot of card games. I know Scott has played a lot of card games. Everybody else has. And I've seen a lot of these sort of initiatives go off in certain directions and it ended up long-term being negative. So... There's a lot that goes into this, and I guess the the best way for me to summarize this and, and kind of close out my point is there's definitely a lot of thought and a lot of effort that is going into mapping out exactly what the steps are for how we're going to proceed, and then, okay, once we've hit that milestone, where are we going next? It's not just we're going to figure it out when we get there. It's very much a methodical, planned-out route. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah. uh it, it, we all love this game and we love the the property and it's just, we have an opportunity to do something awesome and something really cool and a lot of fun. And part of that is, I mean, Dan's joking about testing and practice, but it's the same sort of thing where you, you 
you're going to get out of it what you put into it and the the amount of effort that I've seen from the team that's working on this right now is impressive, and I hope everybody's going to be excited by these because I'm excited about them. Yeah, same. I mean, the point is we want to see these in play at the first opportunity where we feel like they've been battle-tested to where they're ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not doing it in a way that says, like, if you play these cards, we're going to let you get a free win or something like that. Like, you know, like we're not going to give you a some special prize for using these cards or anything mm. like that. Like, like we want to make it so we want to make it so competitively. You want to play these alongside or, or instead of some of the, some of the newer cards, but really all that means is that you're dusting, literally dusting off your collection um, in a way that allows you to use them. Absolutely. And sometimes it's old favorites. Sometimes it might be a character you never sleeved up before, but you own. Right. And that's the key. Like, I think, I think, I think one aspect which I never really thought of to this moment is like, I think a lot of people, myself included, like, um, even as somebody that a lot of cards pass through my hands, um, I still own like one every card. I think I might have resold certain things at this point, but, <laughs> um, but I think I still own one every card. Um, and you know, I haven't used some of them ever. Like in in in, a, in competitive play, and, and honestly, like in any play, because it was so obvious that some of these characters just weren't playable. Right. Um, and you know, the times that I've gotten to use them, not just the vanilla ones, but even some of the ones that had interesting abilities, like you know, like like you mentioned, Dark Matter earlier. I was fortunate to like use him a little bit, I think in wave one, but but that was so long ago. It's not even funny. Like you know, I. I chose to use a living weapon at a charity tournament where, like, there was bounties on me if you beat me. So I chose to play a living weapon. Well, I don't right, know what that right. said. <laughs> um, um, you know, like, I know you used Thundercracker in the past. Like, yeah. I've never, uh, you know, I've, my Starscream Air Commander decks have never seen anything past the floor of uh, uh, testing because they always just were bad. Um, and, you know, th there's just like, a lot of examples like that where I think, I feel like, you know, to me, it feels like I'm using a whole new card because I never actually used some of these cards in the past. Right. Like, ever. Well, that's why I was saying yeah. earlier that it, effectively you're growing your collection, yeah. air, very much air quotes, because obviously yeah. you already have it. But if these cards, when we're looking at it from a competitive perspective, if they never were going to cut it before, they may as well not have existed. I mean, there's there's an argument that, oh, well, if you had to test them to determine that, then you got some value at it. But, you know, it's it's very much what's the point of these cards being cardboard if they're not going to be played with. So this gives us an opportunity to turn some, some dreams into – I was going to tie it to memes, but I don't know. We're going to turn some things into reality, I guess. I, I hope so. I mean, you know, I, I just hope that – I hope it's understood that that's what the goal is. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what player. I don't know what percentage of the player base just doesn't. I, I hope that a lot of the people that are that are with us for the ride understand that that's this is just a a more effective way of. Um, it's there's a lot of ways you could screw this up. Um, yeah. You're right. When you're creating when you're creating something from scratch, you have to figure out are the stats right? Are the base abilities right? Like if you and I'm and by base abilities, like if you gave something bold one to me, like that's like a base ability. These right, like right, right. That's like a like like these base combat abilities to me are the next step. Then it's like so you have stats, base abilities, flip abilities, alt modes. Things like that, like to me, like like how That's does it interact? You with get into how does it interact with other things? Right, right, exactly. And so, when you're, I I'm hoping that like, you know, even if it's something as simple as like adding a few hit points here and there, like I, I don't think that's going to wholesale change the world enough to where, and and I'd be okay if it did, to be honest with you, because that means that that means a good card was created and just need a little bit of help and i'm okay with that yeah i'm with you there uh anything else you want to add scott before we kick it over to dan over on the youtube channel for the actual testing with some of these things that we've been you know 
alluding to and referencing, but not actually shown. No, any comments that we need to answer or anything like that? Uh, a lot of people were earlier on echoing things about Megatron uh, and hoping that Fine. that he makes a showing. We had uh, some shout-outs for Jetfire as well. Um, and then a few <laughs> asking a PTT's band. Uh, <laughs> Not touching any of that stuff yet. Yeah, we those will be conversations that we will get into later on. I mean, we don't want to. We know tech talk always goes long, but not, you know. Those things have domino effects that we haven't been able to figure that you had to figure out. And I think that even some of the ones that have been done in the past, the domino effects weren't understood well enough to. I think they all needed to happen, but but there were still domino effects that needed to be understood. The bannings you're referring to? Yeah, I think, and I think that I think that we need to do a careful job of making sure that that's understood, like. Absolutely. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Like, can you ban PTT and not ban security checkpoint? Like, how does that work? Like, you're right. just gonna give what are we gonna do, say, even the score no longer has a star on it? Like, what are you gonna do in this honestly? Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, short of actually introducing new cards or the, the ban and replace thing right. like there's a lot right. of options where this can right. go. And I have my I stated them in our Discord my personal preferences for a lot of things. I know other people feel differently. So it's, there's a lot of things that need to be ironed out. The first move, the first way that we're addressing that is by having our next tournament be only siege one, siege two and Titan master attack and seeing how it goes when we change the battle cards available. And what does that actually do to the characters? I don't think that the characters that see play are going to change. I just don't know if not having access to certain battle cards actually fixes that or not. Right. I mean, we can look at the various limited formats that we played for uh, a little bit of research, but not a significant amount to this degree. So, mm-hmm. but unless we have anything else, Scott, I think that will do it and we'll kick it over yep. to Dan because he's he is seemingly chomping at the bit in chat to, to uh, show some of these off. So everybody that's hanging out. Who's he playing with, Jumpy? I believe so. We'll see if, as I'm doing my sign-off, we'll see if Dan can confirm he's playing Jempty. Uh, mm-hmm. But everybody on Twitch, definitely check out the VectorSigma.info YouTube page. Like I said, right as soon as we close up here, Dan's going to get started over there. But stay tuned also, as I said, both for our, our off-topic stuff that's coming up, including, yep. and when I say off-topic, I mean actually off-topic, but also the new Netflix series from Transformers, as well as more discussions with Scott and I and the rest of the team as far as what we're going to do for these upcoming sets. So, as always, everybody, thank you for listening, thank you for watching, and Black Lives Matter.